Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fan Club Pod. My name is Will, and I'm sitting here with Frizz and Lazi today, and with our wonderful producer, Martin Yell Yelly, running the show today. Mm-hmm. What's going on, guys? How are we doing? Doing great. It's yeah. Wednesday today. Yes. Wednesday. Oh, and I don't know if you guys can tell that are watching this, but we have a new setup going on here. We do. Behind the cameras. We're trying it out. As you guys know, we had some issues in the past weeks with cameras dying, not having high-quality footage, so I think we've finally fixed that, and today is going to be the first test run to see how it performs. Yeah, looks good. We'll see once our guest joins, but uh, yeah, today we're joined by an incredible guest that we will get to in a few minutes, but uh, we've been up to, Frizz. How was Luke Combs? Uh, Yeah, I went to Luke Combs on Saturday. It was an awesome show he sang so many songs i think he sang probably over 20 and i'm not kidding you i thought my voice was going to be gone monday because i was singing my heart out the entire time and like i was starting to get to the point where you kind of feel your throat starting to hurt a little bit because obviously i have not the greatest vocal strengths but uh, it was an absolute blast and uh yeah, it was uh, also the first weekend without the boys hanging around, too. So Yeah, we were all kind of split up. Yeah, but uh, overall, great show. I'm glad my voice hung out, or glad my voice hung in there. And uh, Me too. yeah, what about you? Speaking of uh, throats and voices, <laughs> how are you? Uh, you know, wisdom teeth surgery, not very fun. It was a very, very boring weekend. I watched a lot of TV. Um <laughs> I did sneak in nine holes of golf on oh. Saturday, but uh, I think that was a bad choice because Sunday I was hurting really bad. Mm. Um, but yeah, day five, jaw's a little tight and sore. Energy's definitely low because of all the meds that I'm on, but uh, definitely on the come up. When you got your wisdom teeth out, what was the last thing that you remember? Like, do you? I remember right before. <laughs> yeah, so I got in the chair. Um, the surgeon, he's like, I've done so many of these, I could do this blindfolded. And I was like, <laughs> I just remember saying, nah, well, maybe you could try that on someone else. Yeah. Like, oh, you're just messing around, go. whatever. And then he's like, so what do you do for a living? And I just told him like, blah, 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 yeah. short answer. And then he goes, well, it's time to pick out your dream. <laughs> I, I just That's closed hilarious. my eyes and like, yeah, next thing I know I was gone. I think I honestly don't even remember. I closed my eyes just because, like, I was just ready to go. Yeah. Go under. And next thing I remember, I was in the car. I was hoping for a bunch of funny videos from you. You sent a funny snap that apparently you don't recall sending. No, I don't remember any. Apparently, surgery took about half hour. Super quick, easy, simple. I was there for a little bit. And then I kind of remember being in this, like, waiting room where you wait for a little bit Mm -hmm. before you can go home with my mom. And just like, and she was just saying that, like the nurse came in to check on me, and I was just like laughing at her, and I was arguing uh. with my mom because I wanted my phone. I guess I have zero. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I have no idea. I wish she was filming me doing this, but so I took a selfie, and you can't really tell in the picture, but I guess the sign behind me, it's like no cell phones, no recording, no anything, and oh. I was just making this big scene. Huh. why why i, don't, I well, think they probably just don't want like people to make a big oh deal yeah out of it you know how those viral videos of people yeah mm-hmm, true yeah nope she didn't record any 
any of me laughing. That would have been funny, but uh, well, the one the one photo was good. It was yeah, funny. and I don't I when I got home and like I laid down right away and then I saw I was like I sent a snap three <laughs> hours ago or something <laughs> and then that's when thank God you screenshotted it. But uh, yeah, guess what, guys? What got my tux this Dang. past weekend that we talked about on last episode? So check that off the list. One step closer. You look good. And yeah, you sent the snap too. Yeah, I did. Uh, I sent some videos. Definitely helped that Emma came with me. I don't know if that's the right thing to do is like bring your fiance to buy your suit. I don't think it really matters if it's a surprise or not, but I think it's just the dress that yeah, you're supposed to see. That, to me, I was like, I didn't care what it exactly looked like. Like I knew it black is good, bow tie, but when we're talking about the fine details, to me it's it, I couldn't pick between like five different things. So she helped just kind of select those things out. Like there was, you know, matte black buttons or whatever other thing there was, the the do it yourself bow tie or the the clip on in the back. Dang. So So are you matching is everyone in your wedding party doing the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, we'll be doing that. Bow ties, tuxes. Nice. So be good. Look fresh. Yeah. I said uh my initial thought, we were, me and Yelly are making this joke. We were calling you a magician. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Did it come with flowers or yeah. a bunny? <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to learn to get a top hat for it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what if you just pull that bunny out when you're up on the, when you're walking down the aisle? That would be good. Yeah. Great <laughs> idea. Yeah, you also got, um, kind of got a visual of where everything's going to be and set up and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I went back to my house there and checked out the grounds of where everything, the tent was going to be, all of that. So, yeah, it's on my yard, so it's going to be really cool, kind of where I grew up my whole entire life. And then, the, uh, the tree house for me and Johnny. Yeah, there's a, there is going to be a tree house there for you guys to sleep in. <laughs> I'll just make sure I, I think the mattress is up there. I've been there for eight years, so <laughs> could nice. be some bird poop on it and stuff, but we'll clean it up for you guys. Thanks. Not too bad should be fun one lesson though i got to tell you guys this just in case when you guys go shoot suit shopping for your weddings something kind of funny that happened is that me and emma went in and it was a store recommended kind of by my mom more of like because we weren't sure exactly where to go she's like just go to this store like it'll be it'll be good so thinking that that was in the realm of what was supposed to be recommended to me i just had trust going in so we go in there Two suit options, two tux options. Tried them both on, looked good. Tried the shoes on. Guy offered some um, cufflinks. Tried those on, got those. Um, any adjustments, made those. Good, good. Didn't think about asking for a price tag at all. Just like, I mean, I was in the store. What am I going to do? Walk out empty handed. So just went through the whole process. And uh, at the checkout, finally got the final price and <laughs> we walked out of the store and me and emma looked at each other and we're like why did we not ask for a single price that whole entire time where was it so we got billed up i'm not going to say the number but oh. we were we were surprised we'll say that we were very surprised <laughs> i'm like we called my mom was like this is where you sent us i was like I, I didn't that even think funny. about checking the price. That is on brand for you. Yeah. I feel like you uh -huh. would do that. You yeah. You just kind of go through it, like, just excited about everything. Yeah. 
and then just be like, oh, wait, there's one big detail that I kind of forgot to ask. Yeah, that's good. Because the shoes, too. I was like, well, I need shoes. I'm going to get shoes. Right. And the brand, too, like Hugo Boss. Everyone knows Hugo Boss. It's Mm -hmm. not to me that can mean an affordable brand. It's not Chanel or Mm -hmm. Louis Vuitton. If Gucci, then I would actually be checking the price tags. But yeah, anyways, just a lesson learned for you for you guys. It's it was uh, Harry Rosen. Is it in Winnipeg? In Polo. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Make sure you check the price tag when you're shopping, folks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's the lesson learned here. That is the lesson learned. <laughs> check the price tag, or if not, just know that it is gonna be. I'll be looking good, and it's gonna be the best suit of my life. Perfect. Well, I think we need to start uh, start a show where we just rate weddings and maybe go to weddings. We've been having a lot of wedding talk lately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're pretty fun. But uh, anyways, we want to introduce our guest um, from Duke University. We are chatting today with superstar track athlete, Emily Cole. Author. Everything. She does it all. Yeah. Super excited to pick her brain and hear how she came up and what she's been up to. So... Enough about us. Let's get into the interview. For those who don't know you, um, where are you from? How'd you get into running? What was life like before people knew who Emily Cole was? <laughs> Gosh, so I'm from Houston, Texas. I actually didn't really get seriously into running until my senior year of high school. So I did volleyball and basketball, cross country and track in high school. And like my freshman year, I was at a big like 6A Texas high school. So I was all over the place doing everything. I was also in club volleyball and basketball my freshman year. So life definitely centered around sports my whole life, even though it wasn't specifically running. And I have two older sisters. Um, I know some people know I've got an older sister named Julia, who is a country music artist. She's incredibly talented and doing really well. She lives in Nashville. And um, she's like seven years older than me and then I have one sister who is a year and a half older than her she's like nine to ten years older than me and she lives in New York City and is very into finance and crypto so we are all very different and I got to see these like two different versions of myself go out into the world and really just be around people that were like ten years older than me my entire life so I think that's like you know a big piece of why I kind of am the way I am just because I always was hanging out with older people um, and kind of just always like had my eye on like, I don't know, what should I be working on next? Just like excited to like do things um, and like get things done, work on bigger projects. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in a big sports family, always going to their different sports events and games. And as a senior in high school, whenever I just started focusing on running, it actually wasn't to compete in college. It was just to break five minutes in the mile. My P, which I heard, I saw y'all are training for a marathon, right? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are. We're doing our best. That's so exciting. How did that start? Um, about l- probably last September, we when we graduated, and obviously we're not playing hockey anymore. So I think we just felt like doing something athletic again and training for something yeah. again. So there's a local marathon in our uh, college town, and we just said, you know what, we're gonna sign up for it. We're gonna train for it together. We've never ran a marathon before. Like, let's do this and see uh, see if we can How finish. Fun. Yeah, we have we've been having a blast training for it. Sometimes <laughs> it's been it's been really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I I believe it. I 
I'm the longest I've ever run is 14 miles. So I like people always think that I've run a marathon because mm-hmm. I do distance running, but I haven't. So major respect to y'all. I saw your like little running videos of y'all doing runs together too. Those are so cute. <laughs> yeah, we actually uh, Frizz thinks he can run a five minute mile, but we all were thinking he, oh can, he probably can't. <laughs> There's no way. What, what do you think? That sounds like good content to me. <laughs> there you go. I'll have to um, put her to the test. Um, I don't know. It, 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 I have no clue what kind of uh, background experience you have on on running, but a five-minute mile is no joke, so it'd be impressive if you can. Yeah, I looked it up today. It's like on the – he's like, yeah, I could probably do it on the treadmill, and then I showed him <laughs> it's 12 miles an hour for five minutes straight. Like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> not happening. You definitely don't want to be doing that on the treadmill because you will fly off. <laughs> okay, noted. That would be really good for content. <laughs> Also, a lot of treadmills I've gone on like don't go faster than five twenty pace. So, oh, really, okay. so you'd be cheating, really. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> but yeah, to kind of finish my story from earlier, my senior year, I got like the summer before my senior year, I just got bit with the bug. Basically, my junior year at the end, we had like regionals for track, and I was trying to run the mile and. My coach was like, okay, I think you can run. I think you can break five minutes. And so I was running regionals. I was like, I went around the first three laps, like right on five minute pace. And um, I came around and the last lap, I just died like horrendous. It was, I, I ran like whatever, 517. So it was like 17 seconds slower on the last lap. And so that was what really inspired me to be like, all right, this summer I want to work really hard and be able to come back next year and break it. And that summer of training, since it was the first time I'd ever just been focusing on running, I also got really into sports nutrition and learning how to eat healthy and feel my body correctly. And I felt astronomically different. I started feeling incredible running. I was running way faster than I ever had before. And that's whenever the doors really started opening of like, whoa, like maybe I could run in college. This is something I hadn't even thought of beforehand because I didn't think I'd be able to be at a school where I'd be able to have high caliber academics as well. Um, my mom's a teacher and my family always really uh, highly regarded academics and, and studying in school. So that was always my first important uh, factor of where I was going to end up going and, and studying. So anyways, long story short, I got more into sports nutrition and was super excited in my cross country season of senior year was running like three minutes. I ran like three minutes faster in my 5k than I had the year before. And I ended up the night before my state cross country meet. I had never qualified before. I was super excited. So anyways, I, that senior year, it was the first time I'd ever qualified for state. I was super excited. I was supposed to be like in the top 10. And the night before the state cross country meet is actually when everything happened that I wrote my book about and kind of have my whole brand and awareness around that night before my state cross country meet is whenever I went into my coma from being too low in sodium. So I was in the coma for two days. It was self-induced and from drinking too much water and being too low in sodium, that's what really opened my eyes being like, what the heck? (laughs) Those are two of the opposite things society tells you about eating healthy. I've been cooking my own meals. I've been running. I've been getting great sleep. So to everyone around me, it looked like I was the picture of health and yet I almost died. And so that was a really big eye-opening moment for me in that like our society really needed to reframe what healthy was and understand that 
everyone's needs, especially athletes' needs, are different than what society is telling you. And it's super important that we have a lot more education around this aspect of nutrition for everybody, and especially athletes that are pushing themselves to the highest level. So when this happened, were you like not feeling well beforehand or was it just kind of like instant, this all kind of fell through? It's a great question. I had definitely been feeling off for weeks beforehand. So a lot of people will have hyponatremia happen to them during an ultra endurance event or during a marathon because they're just chugging, chugging, chugging water and they're going for so long. But since I wasn't doing that, it was very rare that this was happening in my case. And because I was never running more than like eight or 10 miles at a time. So basically I am an extra salty sweater and I live in Houston, Texas, where obviously it's extremely hot. And so I was losing a ton of sodium and I didn't understand what electrolytes were and how important it was to put them in my water and whenever I was hydrating with them. So I was drinking a ton of water. I was making my own food, which also didn't have a lot of salt in it. And I'm someone who's just predisposed to needing more sodium. So it was all a recipe for disaster whenever that ended up happening. It built up over weeks. And my symptoms were, um, honestly, people always tell you your pee should be clear to be hydrated. But actually, it's supposed to be like a light yellow because uh, mine was clear all the time. And I was definitely overhydrated. And I was having a hard time focusing in class and in between meals. I honestly was, I was very anxious and depressed during that time. And I didn't understand what those signs were. I didn't even really know anything about depression as a junior in high school. So it was all really new and and scary to me. But looking back, there were definitely a lot of warning signs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's something that, I mean, being an athlete like us for t- however 20 years before our careers ended like i was never too too focused on my nutrition maybe and definitely probably should have certain in certain instances um try to be better now but like for you to realize that at such a young age that it's a, that something really it can affect you so drastically is obviously very important and how has um really focusing on that now propelled you into into duke and your post high school athletics then? Yeah. So at the collegiate level, I'm very grateful that we have a lot of great resources at our disposal. Like we have a registered dietitian here at Duke that we can speak with. The first chapter in my book on sports nutrition, which I'll obviously talk about later more, but the first chapter is all about the importance of knowing what a registered dietitian is and understanding that they worked really extremely hard, have so many hours of schooling and, 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 like hours with actual athletes to be able to earn that label as opposed to you can just do an online course and call yourself a nutritionist. So a lot of people think that when they're looking for nutrition advice, they seek out a nutritionist, but actually registered dietitian is the label that you should be looking for for someone who's really accredited and knowledgeable to be able to help you. So I don't know. I think that it's really, it kind of blew my mind in the moment how little people understand about nutrition, which is why I was so passionate about it and why I was inspired to write the book. And now, even at the collegiate level, there are still so many athletes that don't really feel their bodies correctly. And I just view it as a, as a 
you know, you can look at everything negatively, but it's kind of one of those glass half full or glass half empty kind of things. I think looking at it glass half full is we have so much room to grow. And for those people who are passionate about it and do care about fueling their bodies correctly, it's going to set you light years ahead of everyone else around you. It's just going to be like an easy way to set yourself on a faster trajectory to being at the top of whatever sport you're in. Mm -hmm. And I think too, I was just going to say that it's kind of deceiving in a way because you said um, when you weren't running as fast, then you said you made these changes to your diet back way back then. And then you also got way faster. You probably think that you're doing the right thing and that you made the right mm -hmm. changes. Like, what do you think was it? You talked about salt, but was it just like that one piece of it that you were missing and you were good or what other big things did you realize your diet was kind of falling apart even when it made you run faster? That is a great question. And I was, I, you know, honestly, in that time in my life, I, I started learning more about sports nutrition through tracking my macros. And I have a chapter in my book on this topic as well. It's called The Mystery of Macros. And in it, I interview a professional athlete who was sponsored, is sponsored by a macro tracking company. And the reason why I have a whole chapter on it is because this was hands down the most informational and educational thing I could have done to learn how to build properly balanced meals, to learn how to read a food label, to understand like, you know, what kinds of ratios uh, you should have of protein, carbs to fat and meals. But on the flip side, it was also 100% the reason why I became too hyper-focused on trying to make my meals perfectly and thinking too much about food. And that's a danger that a lot of elite athletes can get into, um, especially ones that like running where people can think that their performance is based on body composition and really try and perfect that kind of thing. I know it's a harder topic to talk about. A lot of people get uncomfortable talking about it, um, but it's something that's super important to speak more about. And, and in that time, I definitely also wasn't eating enough. And I think that was a big factor too of how I got so low nutritionally. Um, I mean, sodium was obviously the biggest factor because that is ultimately what caused the, the coma was hyponatremia. Um, but I, I definitely was under fueling as well at the time, which could have been contributing to the other factors of everything being harder as well. Is there a sort of, uh, you might know this too, Loss, because you have a little background in it, but is there a test where just like a, Average Joe can go in and get medically tested for things that um, they're, what's the word I'm looking for? That they're... Like their blood work for their... Yeah, blood work. Sodium levels and stuff. Anything, like for everything. Just so, like, I'm running this marathon. I don't know how it's going to go. And <laughs> I'm going to come to yeah. six miles out and <laughs> fall over? Like, I have no <laughs> idea. But I want to know, maybe down the line in the summer, if I'm doing another one or something. Yeah. How could I make this whole experience better? Yeah, for sure. So I actually have a partnership with Inside Tracker, and it's an incredible company that is through. I I can I have the link to the code. I'm thinking and link in my bio. If not, I'll add it after we record this. Um, but it is to get like a full blood work panel, and that is exactly what you would want to do. So they could you can see your sodium levels, your iron levels, vitamin D levels. Those are all things that are really important as runners to make sure that you have because it's easy to get very deficient in and especially like um, in vitamin D in the winter and then, and then iron just whenever you're a runner in general. 
um, but they test all of your different vitals. And that's a really informational test because then you're getting personalized results on what you should be leading your nutrition towards. And the cool thing about Inside Tracker is they then give you actionable like daily goals and different recipes or things that you can start adding into your diet to raise up or help fix the levels that you have that aren't in the optimal range. And it's been ex extremely beneficial for me to learn how, like what I need personally in my diet. Even if you're eating healthy, you might be missing a big nutrient group just because it's not something you typically eat. And so you can get recommendations for personalized supplements based on your blood work. And an inside tracker is just seamless. The app is super pretty and easy to use. So would highly recommend that to anyone who's trying to start training for something like a marathon like you are, or just in general, want to get their blood work checked. Yeah. I'd be interested in checking that out. Maybe we should do that as a group. Yeah. I yeah. think we probably, that'd be probably should cool. Check that out. But there's some weeks we're super healthy and dialed and there's some weeks when we're on the road and we're eating quick meals and staying up late yeah. and yeah. doing all this stuff. So well, like, it'd be important. I'll go on a run too and not eat before and run for 10 miles and then work pretty hard and not bring water with me. And yeah, all. right. It's like, we are not great at that. we're, yeah, we're just, we're a bunch of hockey players trying to run a marathon and that's kind of what you get for us, not too prepared and just going by the seat of her pants with most of it. Well, it's impressive that y'all are even doing it in the first place. So kudos to y'all. If I could give like three, I was just gonna say like three big things that will make your lives easier and make the training a lot more enjoyable always 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 eat simple carbs before you run um and by simple carbs i mean like low fiber like it doesn't need to be healthy like some graham crackers or like a pack of gummies like that's like that's the kind of quick energy that you need before you go run um and it'll make you feel infinitely better i also have um like different carbohydrate drinks like scratch labs powders you can put in your water or whatever whenever you bring them and it's just like, if you bring it, the run is going to feel exponentially better. So like, if you don't bring it, it's like, and you're, you're the only person that's not benefiting from it. So, but those are, those are two big things. Um, and then also just like getting quick fuel in afterwards, like just bring a protein shake, something like that. Like those three things will make your runs feel so much better. Yeah, we have one month today until the race, so I'm definitely oh going gosh. to implement Which a little bit marathon? more of that. Uh, it's called Grandma's Marathon. It's in northern okay. Minnesota, in Duluth, Minnesota. I've heard that's like the best one to do because it's like slightly downhill too. Yeah, so that's oh, there you go. You're there, familiar see, with that's it. crazy that you knew what it was. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's a big like Boston qualifier because people think they can just yeah. fly through it. Yeah, not us, but it's other a people. Good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be so fun. I hope it's all downhill. <laughs> um, I know. I was like, if I was going to do one, I'd probably sign up for that one. I love downhill. <laughs> that's good. That makes me feel better. So I kind of want to ramp into the decision that led to write this book. That's obviously a huge accomplishment that you had. Starting with this two-day coma, um, like what was that like? And how many days after did you really get motivated to be like, I need to do something to change a bunch of other people's lives as well. Yeah, you know, I was I was a senior in high school, so 17 years old when this happened and it was really traumatic. I like I remember from when it was happening, I remember like seeing like pitch black and hearing the paramedics voices whenever they first came to get me out of my hotel room. And he's like 
Do you know, hey, Emily, do you know your sister's names? Do you know what year it is? Can you swing your legs off the side of the bed for me? And I remember hearing like those things, but obviously I wasn't awake. And then I also remember just wanting to like turn over on my side while I was laying in the hospital bed and not being able to and, and getting really frustrated and kind of like thrashing around. It's kind of like when you feel like you're half asleep when you're trying to turn over. Um, and my mom and dad told me after the fact that I was actually kind of like thrashing around at that point and I had like ripped my IVs out. So it was definitely a very scary experience. Um, and the reason why it took me two days to come out of the coma is because you cannot raise your sodium levels too quickly. It causes your body to swell, obviously, and it will cause your brain to swell, which can be extremely dangerous. So they don't want to raise your sodium levels too quickly. And even at the level, at the rate they were doing it, my brain was still inevitably going to swell a little bit. So for the next week, I still wasn't myself. And I was falling asleep in the middle of conversations and not really able to think straight or really hold a conversation. And that was really scary for my family and, and my parents. Like they didn't know if I was ever going to be back to normal. So it definitely was not a creative inspiration in the next week after it happened. Um, but my senior, my junior and senior year, my friends and teammates had all been seeing how much more I was cooking and baking. And, you know, they were like, well, your meals look delicious. Like you should write a cookbook. And that was the big thing everyone said, you know, you should write a cookbook. And that was my first idea. I had like sketches of me writing out like the title of the book and some recipes in high school, but I could never figure out how to publish it. And I just kind of let it sit. And my freshman year at Duke, I, you know, just had normal school, but then COVID hit during the spring. And obviously that was a big decision making period for me, uh, for everyone, kind of figuring out what you want to do with this newfound time that you have. And I actually decided to take a gap semester my sophomore year of college and write this book. So I had been really passionate about sports nutrition and inspired up until that moment, but I didn't really know how I was going to share that with the world. I had tried to do it through like my TikTok, some Instagram videos, sharing little tips here and there, but there was just so much more that I felt like I had experienced and I wish someone had told me earlier on in my career. And I was like, I just know that I could write a guide that would help so many athletes. And I wanted to make sure that it wasn't a guide just spitting out a bunch of information and research. So I decided to take the gap semester and I actually signed up for this book writing class through Georgetown, which was super cool opportunity it was only like a few hundred dollars. And they allowed me to be a part of it. And it's people of all ages. So I was actually probably one of the youngest kids in the class, youngest people in the class. Um, and they walked through the book writing process from beginning to end. And they're partnered with a publishing company. So they like, it's sort of hybrid published. So you do a lot of the setting up on your own through Amazon. Um, but you also do have an actual publisher at the end. And that was really, really cool because they even walk you through the ideation part at the beginning to really hone in what you want your book to be about. And then the interview process. And I realized that it was going to be a lot more impactful to teach these lessons through stories. And so I interviewed a bunch of elite athletes from all different sports, volleyball, pro baseball, triathlon, running, and interviewed each of them. And then I gave them each their own chapter where I tell their story as an athlete. 
and then I have one core sports nutrition concept come from their story. So that way it's kind of like teaching you, I mean, showing you the lesson rather than just teaching it to you. Um, and then at the end of each chapter, I have a recipe teaching you how to put into practice what you just learned. So that way it's like, you still have the recipes, which is fun, um, but it's not just information throughout the whole thing. Yeah, that's cool. Must apply then really well to like a lot of different types of sports because you have like different athletes in there sharing what what they would do too. Like that's, I, I think that's a great idea. The story side of it, it's really mm -hmm. cool. Thank you. Are you gonna make another one? <laughs> You know, that's the question everybody's asking, but I feel like a lot of people haven't even actually read the first one. So I'm going to wait till everyone gets to reading the first fair, one. And I fair. feel like I've really I, gotten to get I that I got to read the first one before I can ask that. I'll come back to you. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't it take you two years to write this? Yeah. So I started it my sophomore year and I am now a senior. So it was like two years from start to finish. It ended up coming out um over the summer or, or in the fall of this year and that was a huge exciting moment for me because i even like i basically spent this whole past summer like finishing editing it with my mom and, and i got to share that journey through social media too which is really cool you mentioned social media how have um how has that really changed you and have helped you move on and move forward and truly get your book out there and tell your story because Everyone on social media loves to hear a good story. So how has it helped you propel your career? I mean, social media has been a life changer for me, as I know it has been for y'all as well. And I think that, you know, that is one of the great sides of the opportunities and the happiness that it can provide to people. I definitely do understand everyone's concerns around social media and especially like the new like laws that are coming out around younger children not being allowed to have social media. So I know there is a bad side to it and it can have some, you know, negative effects. But for me personally, I feel like I'm someone who has really always tried to utilize it as a platform to kind of share what I'm doing, share the positive in my life and actually minimize my time on the platform so most of the time when i go on social media it's to post something and if i'm not on it i'm doing something else and i think that's how i've really maintained like a healthy relationship with it but i came into college not knowing obviously that the name image and likeness laws would change for student athletes so my book i started writing it before i knew the laws were going to be changed i thought that i was not going to be able to share anything about my duke experience whenever i first started writing it and so that was a development that happened mid book where I was able to start adding in more details in my own personal experience and be able to make sure that I was actually using my name, image and likeness and kind of able to profit off of that rather than making it like more like anonymous and vague about who I was and my own experiences. So that was a huge value add that I got to do. And then it also ended up coming out right around the NIL laws being changed. And so that was cool. I got to be the first student athlete to publish a book with my name, image and likeness. That was a really special moment for me. Um, and it's cool how social media has allowed me to share my book and my story. But at the same time, my book and my story have allowed my social media channels to grow and people to resonate with my social media channels more. So it's definitely been like a symbiotic relationship where both are helping each other. And the main thing that I've always really done is try to just be super, I mean, as everyone wants you to be, be super genuine to yourself. Um, and for me, that means sharing the hard 
the hard sides too. And I've had a lot of hard moments in my running journey and a lot of tough races. And I think that sharing those moments has really helped me be able to connect more with my audience and, and be able for everyone to appreciate the, the, the wins and the good times more whenever they see the bad times as well. Yeah, that's people do love seeing like the genuine kind of reactions and posts and stuff like that because it helps them obviously build a connection. But when did you like really start to know that your social media momentum was like really growing and you knew that you could turn this into something big? So I was probably at around. probably 12,000 followers a year and a half ago on Instagram. So do you say 12? Yeah. And you're at like 170. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's been really rapid. Um, and I think that the main time was definitely around whenever I was finishing the final edits on my book last year. I, um, I had just had a really breakout season and track season. I had never really been proud of a race or felt like I had a good race in my collegiate career until this past outdoor season. And luckily I was able to, well, not luckily, but gratefully, I'm very grateful I was able to qualify for nationals and then USAs. And I mean, that was something that I hadn't even like dreamed of. I got to run against Olympians and the women that I have looked up to my entire life. And so that was the moment whenever my Instagram platform specifically really started to grow. I think that my TikTok has seen growth spurts in different moments um, because of random things, honestly. Whereas I feel like Instagram was a more like, it was more based on actual events that were happening, whether it was like me running well or my book coming out, kind of like really big moments, pivotal moments in my life. And so it kind of meant a little bit more to me, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. But anyways, it, I was really, I, I was really starting to change that perspective whenever my book came out and, and I shared a couple of, of videos that share my story. And I realized through this year, I actually took a class this year at Duke in social media. And it, it was more serving the purpose of getting all of us creators in the same room. Um, but it's something that I've really started to take seriously over this past semester and, and really dive into like the science behind it and learn why, like what makes people follow, what makes people watch videos longer, how to tell a story, how to have a good hook and, and how to create content that makes people want to follow so they can come back. Like all of the different little nuances that add to everything together. It's been really, really fascinating and fun to learn about and, and really dive into over this past year. That's really cool. Cause I was, I watched a lot of your content recently too. And I could tell that you were doing such a good job of it. And it's cool to see that like you actually took a class on social media. Like what was probably the biggest takeaway from that, that you started to implement into your, into your videos. Cause they're, I think you do a good job of just sharing your life in many different ways, um, on TikTok. Thank you. Um, I, so as I'm sure y'all know, and other people know, I shared my whole hair crisis on social media and it was just so funny because I was really feeling right before that happened, 
I had just posted a video saying I was going to go surprise my sister in Nashville. So this is like my big takeaway from the class and my big social media thing that I like learned over the past year. I posted a video saying I was going to go surprise my sister, Julia, in Nashville. And I mean, it was the most low effort, easy video I've ever made. It was like, I put my camera on, I, and I, I do, I did buy the new phone so that I have a like higher quality camera so I can put out content faster just from my phone. I put the video on like 0.5, turned it around as a mirror print. I was like, I'm going to surprise my sister, Julia, in Nashville. She always surprises me at my running events, but I never get to surprise her at her music events. And it's like the one week of the year I have off. So I'm super excited. And I got like 8,000 followers just from that one video. And I was like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> what? I put so much effort into, you know, sharing my running journey or doing day in the lives, kind of things like that. And I realized that that really key thing of people can love your content and people can engage with your content, but they're going to follow if they want to come back to your account for something else in the future. And that's why all of the platforms are really pushing creators to push more series and like, honestly, just series so that they're not only creating content that will make their audience be able to engage more with them and look forward to their content, but it's also great for the platforms as well because you're creating higher value content for the viewers at the same time. So anyways, everyone only followed because they wanted to see her reaction. And so there's that, that whole element too of seeing other people's reactions and, and people being a lot more fascinated in seeing how two people are interacting in a video. And I did a, a similar thing um, a few weeks later. I can't remember what exactly it was that I had said I was going to do later, but it was a similar type of video where I said I was going to do something and it was going to be a surprise and the same thing happened. And so I, I had felt like I found this secret and then I, my hair got knotted from the run and I was like, I just posted a couple of videos about it. I didn't obviously didn't know it was going to actually last whole week um but it was something that I really started documenting more on like day three because I was gonna have to go into the salon to get it done and I just knew that was absurd and didn't realize the chronicle of unfortunate events that was gonna follow and so it was just funny because it was the easiest most genuine thing for me to be able to create I did it all with my back camera on my phone I just popped the videos and cap cut and press auto caption and it spliced up all the videos for me. I mean, obviously I went through and, and made the clips shorter and deleted things I didn't like. Like it took a ton of editing time on my side, but that's nothing compared to what I know some people do for YouTube videos and, and different long form content like that. So I, I got really backlogged on even the videos I was creating. And that's why I was posting them for a month later was because I had all these videos recorded and I didn't have the time to edit them. I was going to practice and I had finals for school. It's like not, it's not like social media is my main thing right now. So it's just funny because everyone's like so confused that I posted my hair had gotten out, but then I was still posting the updates. And it's funny because that element of confusion actually kind of added to it. Like more people followed because I put in both my bios, people sometimes need a little push. I put in both my bios, I was like, follow for hair crisis updates. I made it very simple. And so if they didn't know what's happening, they just followed. And I got like, oh gosh, uh, I got like 50,000 followers on Instagram. 
and like 150,000 followers on TikTok. I like doubled basically both of my followings just from the hair crisis. So that was a really big growth moment for me. It's funny because I honestly, I've been kind of MIA on social media for the past month because I'm getting into postseason for running. And I honestly was like, people were just getting kind of mean in the comments about my hair crisis. They're like, no one cares about this anymore, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, honestly, I don't really want to be seeing videos of myself with a giant knot in my hair on my page anymore. <laughs> so I ended up like wrapping it up, um, even though I still have videos of like four days of videos that I haven't posted yet. Um, but it's just cool to know that I, I, it was taking your followers on a journey and kind of sharing that every step of the way kind of thing and having an end result that they didn't know what was going to happen that I felt was a really big discovery that I can now apply to any other thing that I do in my life that I want to share on social media. It's great advice. And you did a 20 part, was that like 20 part series or something with, with the hair crisis? Yeah, it was like almost, <laughs> it was almost 30. And that's like, oh. that's like the first half of the week. I yeah. didn't even post the second half. <laughs> well, that's kind of what we're trying to do with our marathon as well as trying to create that yeah. series of it to show people we're training and updating each week because yeah. obviously, you know, there's a end finish line to that marathon that hopefully people want to see us progress mm -hmm. to that point. Um, definitely kind of reconfirm yeah, that that's in a my great head idea. That, that doing those series can it's be really helpful. Idea. I liked your April yeah. Fool's. And it's I liked your April Fool's oh, yeah. crisis <laughs> post. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that probably threw some people. For yeah, I, it was funny because a lot of like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people our age are like, oh, like they've seen like bald filters. It was literally just this Snapchat bald filter. I was like, I one of my teammates had the idea, and I was like, you're a genius. And I took out my phone, and I downloaded a couple different bald like apps on the App Store, and they were terrible they did not look real at all and my roommate was like emily let's just try the snapchat filter and she tried it and it looked so real so yeah that's all it was <laughs> clever definitely fooled me <laughs> yeah i remember you. oh yeah like... and for anyone oh, i would no, say for anyone listening who doesn't know what it was basically i had the giant knot in my hair for a week that i was trying to get out because i had done a long run in the rain and it got super knotted up um and my ponytail had fallen out so that's why it ended up being so bad if i put it in a bun like i usually do it wouldn't have been an issue um but i did an april fool's joke that i shaved my head that's what the joke was friend that doesn't know <laughs> no i was just gonna say when we were like uh looking at your profile and stuff he was like i think she shaved her head and then i was like <laughs> no dude i think that was a joke and then he was like oh april 1st <laughs> i think i missed yeah, that it was conversation funny I had some, yeah like, I had some people DM me and they're like, wow, your hair grew back fast. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's uh, something with social media, too, that we notice. It's like you never know, like, who's following, like, which parts and who's paying attention to yeah. that. So it's always uh, interesting to see how much people actually pay attention to certain things. Right. There's more, more often than yeah. not, there's someone brand new on every single post. Exactly. So like, very confused exactly. what's going on. As we talked about the book and I – the last time I'm going to jump back to this, but I think we can't let this go unhighlighted is that you did work so hard to write this. And then on the sale day, I read that you sold a thousand copies in the first 10 days, which is incredible. Yeah. And I'm just curious to know what your expectation was on that sale day. Like, were you really nervous and how did it feel to actually sell a thousand of them? 
No one has ever asked that before. I, it means a lot <laughs> that you asked that. I was honestly really nervous whenever it came out because I share a lot of personal parts of my journey. And it's also just writing a book in general is a very exposing way of sharing your brain <laughs> with the world. And it really opens you up to judgment and for everyone to, I feel like a lot of people because I'm on social media more or because people know me, they still to know my journey. Like when you feel like you know someone, it's kind of easier to judge them whenever you're kind of reading through and like, no, you're like, oh, well, I know her. It's different than reading a book that's written by this like far off person that you assume is whatever. Um, it was very scary putting that out. And I remember just being like kind of anxious for the first couple of weeks it was out. Just like, you know, I, oh my gosh, what if it's terrible? Like, what do people like hate it? Blah, blah, blah. And then I it took me being like, oh my God, Emily, sit down and reread the book. If you need to confirm with yourself that you're proud of what, what it was. And I think it's just because it, it matters so much to me and it, it's means so much to me. These topics are so special to me that it's just, it was so important that they were perceived the right way by every single person that read it. And that's a big pressure because everyone is coming at it from a different place in their lives, from different background knowledge. And there's everyone is going to take something different from what they read. And trying to figure out how your words are going to be perceived in every different situation is overwhelming. It just is. And so I like reread through it and I was like, wow, I'm actually, I'm really proud of this. It's, it's really, I like, this is exactly how I wanted it to come off. So I, you know, I definitely had some waves of different emotions during those first couple of weeks, but. I was just, it meant so much to me that I was able to sell a thousand books on the first day and, and now being able to share it like a, a ton, just like through social media and getting to reach out to so many different people who have sent me personal messages about how much it's meant to them, how much it's changed their career and their relationship with food too. Um, I talk about a lot of topics in there that people don't usually talk about, like how people tend to think that disordered eating or like having struggles with knowing what to fuel as just limited to female athletes when that is so incorrect and it actually ends up causing male athletes to get to a worse off spot because society tells them that they're fine and it's not that big of a deal and like they don't need to be like dramatic about it and guys don't have food things or whatever and so anytime that someone is feeling uncomfortable or not having a healthy relationship with food with males, it's a lot more likely that they'll get into an extremely dangerous place with it because they don't feel as comfortable reaching out and speaking to others about it. And that's something that, you know, obviously in, in all sports, every athlete is affected by. And so knowing that these are conversations that we all need to be more open about having and speaking about with each other, um, I think that was a, a big topic that I focused on and I'm really excited to share more I, I interviewed a lot of male athletes in the book which was a really it was a really important thing that I focused on when I was doing my interviews I wanted to make sure that this was a book that anyone felt like they could read and benefit from um, and I actually haven't done any outreach to bookstores or you know running stores and I think that's something huge. That's a huge avenue for me to be able to reach out or reach a lot more people too. And just with school and everything, I haven't had the time. And so this summer, that's actually my main focus. I think my mom said she'd help me reach out to some different bookstores, um, but I'm actually going to be going on a book tour. So I'm really excited to do that, travel around the country and, and share that journey through my social media pages. There'll be a 
a journey that people don't know the ending to that I'm probably doing similar style vlogs of my hair crisis, but obviously a lot closer to my heart and a topic that I'm a lot more interested in speaking about than so, my hair. <laughs> so how do you uh, decide where you're going to be going? Do you like just look where the most sales are in each city or places you maybe you've never been to before? Yeah. So I actually had a few running camps reach out already about being able to come and speak at those running camps. So getting to speak to high school runners, I do think that is my main audience because I am a collegiate runner. So those are really important for me to get to those cities. Um, and I'll obviously be in Durham at the two different Duke camps as well. So definitely planning around that, but then I'm also going to try to go to New York and just do an event in general there too, and hit a couple of other cities. So I am honestly still in the process of planning it, but it's definitely more based around these running camps that are kind of paying me to come out and speak and making a road trip out of it, kind of stopping in different places along the way. I just really wanted to make sure that I, I hit big hubs of cities because I wanted to make the events big enough to where I was able to really reach a lot of people. Whereas otherwise, sometimes it, it's better that I'm, you know, at home creating content to reach a ton more people. But I know that the in-person, you know, interactions just mean so much. And I want to meet these younger athletes. So yeah, that's how I, I that's how I really based it. But I definitely want to hit some more cities that aren't just for running camps as well. Have you done any sort of public speaking before? Um, I've done different public speaking, but not really about this, about my book yet. I kind of did a couple of different public speaking things throughout high school and college, whether they were like at camps or different things like that. I love public speaking and it's definitely something that I would love to get into um, as I kind of progress through my author journey and, and after I graduate next year. There you go. Sounds like it's going to be a breeze then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> love that like your social media the book and now graduating college it seems like it's all coming together very nicely and it sounds like you're gonna have a really successful tour just based off of that you know i think you have a lot a lot of momentum going into that so it's really really great to hear that uh and i'm looking forward to seeing that on on tiktok too that journey <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It means a lot. I'm trying to keep up with y'all. I mean, I've been seeing y'all's videos for a long time. So <laughs> well, we're, we're all over the place. It. Keep up with our marathon training. <laughs> we're going to try to uh, yeah, do that like weekly now and implement some tips that we got today for sure. Going to have gummies with us and yep. some share, share what we've learned. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I know. Can't, I can't wait to watch the journey. I also want to let y'all know I love your no bad days merch. I think that's such a good little slogan. And I like, I just love the whole motto about it. Cause you're right. It, it can apply to anything in anyone, in any situation. And it also looks sick. So well, uh, thank you very much. There might be something that is some sort of no bad days club. That's right up your alley coming soon. So we'll definitely have to include. Oh, you. that's exciting. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. You right may now. have uh, buttered up the right guys to help you get one. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted. I'm honored. I buttered up the right people. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, well, Emily, thank you so much. This has been awesome. It's been really great to meet you and hear your story firsthand. Of course. No, thank you all so much for having me. It's been an honor to be on the show. And thank you for letting me share my story and my book. Yeah, good luck exactly. with the tour. Um, and yeah, hopefully one day maybe we can go for a, a long run together. So oh five minute gosh, mile yes, together. Five minute so mile. Fun. That's what we're going to do together. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Also, I just wanted to say like, 
uh, for anyone who's listening, you can get my book on Amazon. It's also linked. My Instagram is just Emily Cole at Emily Cole. And my TikTok is Emily Cole, but with two E's at the beginning and the end. So it's, you know, my book is very easily available on both of those. And it's called The Player's Plate. So, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> we'll be sure to plug it for you, too. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you all so much. Well, thank you, Emily Cole. That was, uh, she's a pretty dang cool story. I knew about a little bit about the coma and about the book, but, um, hearing the factors that went into it and I didn't, I didn't realize she was 17 when it happened to her either. So that's, yeah, that's so young. Yeah. Imagine what it would be be like. I know she touched on it a little bit of what it was like, but it must, I wonder if it feels like it lasts forever. Like, does it feel like two days or does it feel like two weeks? Cause That sounds like the scariest experience that you could really go through. Especially after she felt like she was at her peak. Like that's when she just discovered all like the nutritional stuff. She was running her best. And then for that to happen must have just been a huge shocker for everyone. Yeah. So make sure you're hydrating out there properly. Not too much water, just water. Yeah. You don't need clear pee. I always (laughs) thought that too, like forever. Yeah. Recently it's been different but but that's something that it's really easy to make that mistake because you just like you said you're taught just common things about running and nutrition and someone like a group of guys like us that aren't going to pay like we're not going to read the textbooks on it so we're probably going to make mistakes if we don't hear about hey what do we need to actually do before our run so we're properly hydrated and not uh getting her sodium levels too low. I was happy she gave us those run tips. Those are uh, definitely going to help a lot. Especially today we felt pretty good, though, on our run. Yeah, felt great. did feel good. Mm -hmm. And then we will be testing that five-minute mile theory. (laughs) Good luck. We can (laughs) test it all all you want, man. I'll hold the timer. (laughs) You're not doing it. It's going to be a waste of five minutes. (laughs) I'll be be half dead by the time I finish. Yell it. Yelly wants to try it with me. So You're going to have to train for a month or two. I will start training a little bit for well, it. Well, do it after the marathon. One thing at a time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what we will do. I would do. train for a five-minute mile during marathon training. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. This will be an August thing. We'll do it at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Map out country five. Country mile in five minutes. The country mile, yeah. Country mile down the road. We don't need to map it out. Countries are split into miles anyways for you. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Did you know that, Yelly? Yeah. No, he said no. We'll, we'll drive it the exact pace. You just got to keep. Oh, up that's with the actually car. perfect. That'd be the mm-hmm. best way to do it. You keep up with the truck, and we'll be in the bed just watching you. <laughs> it's only going to take five minutes. It's yeah, not it's that really, long. Yeah, it's pretty easy actually. But uh, yeah, I thought another thing that was really cool was just overall how that timed out so well with her and. Now, when she dropped that book and she had all those followers on social media, I'm sure that helped a lot. And when she started it, it's like, do you really know NIL is going to pass through at the time? Do you know that, you know, you're going to blow up on social media? And then all of a sudden when you do launch, it's like everything comes together and probably a big reason why she had a thousand copies sold. So, yeah, she's obviously very knowledgeable about everything. And it seems that. She seems like she could be an author and go around speaking to people Yeah, very easily. When I asked her about that public speaking, because I'm terrified of that, and she's like, no biggie, whatever. Yeah. If you, if you like it, there's so many few people that like it, and if you like it, 
You're meant to do it. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. True. And now we get a book signed. Sweet. Yeah, we should send her a hoodie for sure. Yeah, we will. Hockey club hoodie. We'll exchange and a run club shirt. Addresses. Yeah. Yeah, and it seemed like uh, the new setup worked out pretty well. Yeah. Don't need Cuddy anymore. Cuddy's officially snipped. So, yeah, I would I would give the new setup rating a nine out of ten. Wow, really? So you know, the, you know, I'm always gonna. Give it it lost the point. I know you guys can't see it, but our setup did lose the point. It was just a little bit harder to communicate with our guest. But other than that, the post editing process is gonna be very quick, very quick. I think yeah, and our cameras didn't overheat, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, I think yeah, the only thing was the communication. I would love to hear them through the headphones somehow. Yeah, I don't know. We can figure that out another day. That's not anyone listening's problem. No, Mm -hmm. not your guys' problem. We'll figure (laughs) that out. It's our job. Yeah. So what do we possibly have coming this week? Well, there's a big call going on tomorrow between Will and Felipe and Lawson. Because we finally got an offer. The boys finally got a little playoff action coming around. The Our old friend Celsius, the energy drink company, invited us to go to either the Florida Panthers game or the Dallas Stars game. They also wrote at the end of the email that we might be able to do both in back-to-back nights. So we'll keep you guys posted on that. By the and time uh, this episode drops, we will... Have we'll an know. answer yep. and a plan, and hopefully booking. It's gonna we'll be. See. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna oh, be a very yeah. very fun week, and we could have a very very fun recap for you mm-hmm. on the next episode. Great recap. I'm just. I get so excited for travel content. It's so much f- more fun. It makes my job easy because we get to do airport videos, and just makes it easy. People love it. I love, not, love nothing more than that 5 a.m. Starbucks line. Yes. Yes, I miss that. <laughs> I do miss that. Before we end it off, guys, I wanted to just mention a really cool comment that we got recently that I think is a great um I lost the word in my head. It is a great uh point in the right direction for us because Benchmark? Yeah, uh it's like it reassured that we're going in the right direction. I'll just let you talk. Is that Yeah. Is there a word for that? I don't know. Could be. I'm not going to use it though cuz I don't know what it is. Anyways, we got a message from a past guest saying that he loves our storytelling in these episodes and he thinks it's one of the best that he's ever been on. And I think the point to having a guest on for us and being able to effectively actually utilize what they say and share their story on social media and those short form videos that you guys can consume if you don't watch the entire episode, I think that's something that we really are trying to get very good at so that guests actually benefit from being on our show so it's uh i think hats off to cuddy for editing that content and just the whole team for getting closer to being a one percent podcast exactly we're almost we're almost in the one percent yelly great job everyone thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it as always please leave your feedback like subscribe and if you love the episode please share it with a friend or anyone in your life who would love this thank you again to emily cole for joining the episode and uh we really hope you appreciate it thank you everyone really hope you like it everyone yelly sign us out (laughs) 